What do Terrell Edmonds, Cameron Sutton, Robert Spillane, and Alex Highsmith all have in common? Besides them all being members of the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense, all three of those players were used to cover receivers in the slot in 2020. Today we're going to talk about slot defense, specifically the players and strategies the Steelers commonly use to defend them. And then we'll take a look at the players that the Steelers are likely to use in 2021 to defend one of the most valuable roles in the NFL offense. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. Welcome to the cutting room floor. This past Friday, the Steelers played their last preseason game, and the only thing that remains of the 2021 offseason is a few practices and then the final cutdowns to the 53-man roster. Almost all of the starting positions have been taken. Almost every roster battle has been resolved, with one major exception, and that is the nickelback. Before we get into too far into the nickelback, we're going to talk about what a nickelback is. Some, some people may find this interesting. Other people are going to be like, why are you talking about this? But I just want to really quickly cover the history of the nickelback because I think it makes a lot of sense and it really helps inform what the Steelers want in this position and the people that they choose to play it. If you look at a nickel package, even the Steelers who run a traditional, who traditionally run a 3-4 defense with three defensive linemen and four linebackers when they do a seven-man defensive front. When they switch to the nickel package and they have a six-man defensive front, they put four men on the defensive line with two linebackers. That's because the modern nickel defense is based off of the 4-3 defense. It is not a 3-4 style of defense. You may hear some people uh, will talk about the 3-3 defense, where instead of you know, going to a four-man defensive line and two linebackers, you'd keep the three-man defensive line and do three linebackers behind them, which people have constantly and continuously touted as something the Steelers could play for their nickel package because it is a three-man front, much like, you know, the Steelers' 3-4 package. But the Steelers go to a 4-2 when they go to nickel, and that's the basis of the nickel. Uh, if you go back in time to the Steel Curtain when the Steelers ran a 4-3 defense and you take their linebackers back when they had, let's say, Andy Russell, Jack Lambert, and Jack Ham. If Jack Ham was on was assigned to cover a running back or a tight end and that player that he was assigned to cover moved off the line of scrimmage and out towards the wide receiver, right? If he moved out there, Jack Ham would just move out and cover him. And if you would take, if you can take that in your head and get the idea of it, and you see how, you know, Andy Russell and Jack Lambert would have kind of slid over to cover the fact that only two linebackers were in the box now, you have a modern day nickel package. Basically, what happened is teams that could not, could not put a linebacker outside of the box and put them in coverage, like the Steelers could with a Jack Ham or even an Andy Russell. Under Jack Lambert, they could do it with any of their linebackers back then. Teams that couldn't do that would have would have a mismatch. If I can take a player and send him out there, and your linebacker has to cover him out there, well, that's going to be a hard job for them. If you think of the 1995 Steelers, 94-95 Steelers, when they, they had the 60-minute men, where their base package players played every snap. They prided themselves on playing every snap. Well, if you put three wide receivers on the field, 
that means Greg Lloyd or Kevin Green or one of your inside linebackers, they've got to go cover that guy, right? That linebacker has to go cover that wide receiver. Well, teams got smart and started attacking those matchups, and so teams started using more defensive backs. You would take out a linebacker, put in a defensive back, but that nickel back role is really an outside linebacker. That's all it is. You've just, in, in, in zone coverages and a lot of defenses, they act exactly like normally a Sam linebacker, the strong side linebacker, actually just becomes a defensive back. So they are playing that role. And it's important to note that because teams quickly figured out that if you have a really small, fast guy in that nickel defender role, and I can shift my, you know, I can pull linemen, I can do stuff to get a running back, a fullback, a tight end, or an offensive lineman blocking that player, well, that's just an easy win. That's an easy win for the offense, and we can run all over you. Teams start running out of, you know, three wide receiver sets much more as they learn, hey, if guys are going to counter and take out that big linebacker and put in a small shifty fast guy, well, then we're going to run at them. And that's how you get a player like a Mike Hilton. Mike Hilton, I often call him a, a, a slot linebacker because he played like a linebacker. And that's key because it is a linebacker role. The the run defense angles, the, the, they're, the nickelback is usually what's called an alley defender. They're an outside force player. They have to keep contain on a lot of runs to stop the run from getting outside. Try and shield, force it inside where the two linebackers can get to it. Well, Mike Hilton was great at that because he would take on tight ends. He would take on fullbacks. He could take on a tight end. He could put. He even took on pulling offensive linemen. They would, they would pull a guard you know, across to try and block Mike Hilton. Mike Hilton would throw himself into that guard hard enough to stop that guard's momentum, despite the fact that the guard had, you know, seven, eight inches and 100 pounds or more. They were just that much bigger than Mike Hilton. But he would take them on, and you have to be able to. If you think about it, Mike Hilton was smaller whenever they did a running play at Mike Hilton. He was smaller than the player blocking him, and he was smaller than the player running at him with the ball. He was smaller than both of them, and then, but it's still his job to defend that. So, so you can understand the the slot defender, the nickelback, the primary slot defender. That is a tough position. That is a very tough position to play, and the guys who can be that small and that physical, while still being able to cover wide receivers, are rare. Mike Hilton wasn't the greatest in coverage, but there aren't many people that can be better than he was in coverage, as good as he was in the run game, and also bring blitzing. And that's the last part I want to talk about. This is not normally a requirement to play the nickel position, but this is something the Steelers really like and brings a lot of value to their defense when it works well. A nickel blitz is incredibly hard to defend simply because that player is wide. They are far off the line, off outside of the lineman, so they have a very different angle. To defend that, an offensive lineman has to get outside and back really fast. And they're bigger guys, right? They're a bigger guy. Mike Hilton, one of his strengths in blitzing was timing up the snap count. 
to where when the quarterback would look down to, to prepare to receive the ball, not when he's just doing fake calls and calling plays and stuff, at that point, Mike Hilton still lined up right over the wide receiver. When that quarterback would look down to receive the snap, because obviously he's got to focus on the ball. If you if you don't catch the ball on a, on a shotgun snap, the play's dead. We, we've seen that. We I mean, I don't need to bring up traumatizing memories uh, for every Steeler fan from this past winter. I don't need to bring that up. But we know how bad it is when a quarterback can't catch a shotgun snap. So the quarterback is focusing on the ball. Once he puts his head down and focuses on the ball, Mike Hilton would go from looking like he is covering that receiver to being ready to blitz. He would come right up on the line, change his angle, and he's right there ready to blitz and attack the quarterback. The offensive lineman can see it, but the quarterback doesn't. He has to take the snap. Like, you look down and the ball is about to come. And Mike Hilton would time it up, boom, and then he's coming. And it would really cause trouble for offenses. Now, one of the ways you can deal with that is you have your running back block the, the nickel back. Or running back's got 40 pounds on Mike Hilton. He can block him. The Steelers, under Keith Butler, weaponized that by using what, what I've called on the show before, hug blitzing. Uh, Hug blitz is like a green dog blitz or some other names for it, but basically if you're on the running back and the running back stays in the block, now you are now you just rush the quarterback, right? The Steelers do an, a more advanced version of that called hug blitzing where at the snap, a linebacker in man coverage on a running back is attacking. They are running, coming forward, and they're coming forward quick. While they're coming forward, they're running straight at that running back. So if it's a run play, well, yeah, you want to run right at the running back. That's your dude. You want to tackle him. If it is a passing play and the, and the running back is a blocker, he's already in there, right? You've already taken away the advantage of having an extra guy blocking by having basically a blitzing linebacker coming just simply at that running back to start, and they can adjust and rush off of that. You you lose the man advantage because the linebacker adds in. If the hard part in hug blitzing is if that running back is doing a route, is sliding out, is slipping out of the pocket, and is a receiver, that linebacker has to then veer off and cover them. It's something Robert Spillane actually was really good at last season. It was something he did well when he was matched up on running backs. Those hug blitzes meant that when Mike Hilton, when you thought Mike Hilton was coming and the quarterback would tell his, his running back, hey, don't run your route, stay in and protect me, I think Mike Hilton's coming, well, now you've got another linebacker coming. We still have a man advantage. It's just the inside linebacker instead of Mike Hilton. You're just, you, you still have the advantage, and there's still another person in there. And the offense has lost a receiver, right? So, so the one guy you have in zone and the other guy, their jobs are slightly easier. The more, the more people are in the block, and you still having, you know, you still have a number advantage on the blitz. That's an advantage for the defense. Mike Hilton was a big part of that because of how hard it is for an offensive lineman to block a nickel blitz and how much easier it is to have a tight end or a running back account for that. It's just that much easier. It makes more sense. And the hug blitzes took advantage of that. Now, teams don't always use slot receivers out of, you know, as a wide receiver. It's not always a wide receiver manning that spot in the offense. Sometimes a team will come out with you know a two tight end set with one running back and only two wide receivers, 
but then you they send a, you know a tight end outside out wide and put a wide receiver in the slot. In plays like that, in other situations where running backs go out into the slot, it's typical to end up with a linebacker covering in the slot. The Steelers do that quite a bit. Uh, again, famously in the uh, in the wild card game against Cleveland, Robert Spillane on a wide receiver. Uh, but there were other times. Alex Highsmith did a beautiful job in deep coverage on wide receivers multiple times when he would get pulled out of his you know outside linebacker role into that slot because the Steelers weren't in nickel. Bud Dupree did it. He was actually very good at it. Uh, Highsmith was pretty good at it. And sometimes in 3-4, the Steelers would choose to cover that receiver in the slot with Terrell Edmonds. If they wanted the front seven to all be dedicated in the box and they were going to blitz, you know, do something like that, they could put Terrell Edmonds as the man on the slot receiver uh, and then either, you know, have a linebacker drop into kind of a robber zone or or have send a blitz. So it wasn't always in the nickel that you would defend that. And also in the dime, you have usually have multiple slot defenders. Uh, Cameron Sutton was was one of them. That's 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 some of the exceptions. Most of the time, the most common offense in the NFL is now 11 personnel, which means one tight end and one running back. And that means you have three wide receivers. And then you're going to have a slot receiver because just the nature of how it is, you're most likely going to have a slot receiver. We're going we're gonna to use that for our first half of the show. Uh, went through, you know, why, why the nickel is used, the importance of the nickel back. And I really wanted to get in why the nickel back is kind of a linebacker role and has to be able to defend the run and the Steelers really get a lot of benefit from players who can also blitz out of that nickelback situation. So when we get, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the players the Steelers played in the slot in the fourth preseason game, and as well as kind of go over what I think will happen and the different options the Steelers have to defend the slot, because that is the position on the defense that is probably at this moment the least settled and, and probably one of their weakest spots. So stay tuned and we will be right back. Welcome back to The Cutting Room Floor. I'm Jeffrey Benedict. As always, The Cutting Room Floor is brought to you by the Behind by Behind the Steel Curtain and their family of podcasts. Uh, the head site, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. You can get all your news, analysis, breakdowns, opinion pieces, background into to stories, all kinds of things on the site, uh, including my film rooms. If this... The cutting room floor is is thoughts that I have that I want to expound on from film rooms I do, or things that didn't quite you know have enough clips to make a film room. Thoughts I just want to get off that I got that I see on film. 
but if you want to see the actual film rooms, you can go to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Thank you for listening and being a part of the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. We're talking about slot defense. It's talking a lot about nickelbacks, what it means to be a nickelback, but also some other ways that the Steelers uh, can cover slot receivers. For the second half of the show, I want to talk. Uh, start with the players who played in Game 4 against the Carolina Panthers and were used in the slot. I want to talk about them a little bit to start. Uh, as a caveat, I'm going to throw this out here. The Steelers in the preseason don't give their slot defenders or their linebackers much help at all in man defense. They just they put you on an island and let you go. Why? Because they don't care if they win or lose the game. What they're what they're using it it's it's a practice, you know. A preseason game is a practice. That's how the coaches use it. That's how the you know the team uses it to see what they've got. They don't care about winning the game. It doesn't matter. What matters is that they get the information to build a roster that can win games that actually count. So they don't care if the Steelers get beat, you know, for a touchdown by a slot receive by a slot, you know, by a you know a safety playing in the slot or a nickelback gets beat by a wide receiver. They don't care. The information they gain from watching those plays, from putting guys in those situations, seeing where they can cover, what kind of players they can be trusted to cover, and what kind of players they can't handle is what's important. Because then they can sit there and say, okay, this team has a you know a shifty route-running wide receiver but who doesn't have top-end speed. We can put, you know, maybe Joe Schobert can handle that. Maybe Devin Bush can cover that guy in the slot. Maybe Alex Highsmith can. Who knows? But if they know that they can cover that type of player – then they can use that to their advantage in a game. So whether a person got beat or not is less important than you know who they're able to cover and who they aren't able to cover. When they go to the regular season, if a player is in, the, is in those positions, the Steelers are going to have a defensive plan to give them the help they need to make the play. They're going to have that planned in there. It's not going to be like preseason football. Why to get that out of the way? The main player who played and defended the slot in the fourth preseason game was Trey Norwood. He was playing the nickelback. Uh, he was not bad. I was a little surprised. Actually, he did better than I expected him to do. I expected it to be pretty bad. It's a very different role than what he played in college. Uh, and it's he was never a in-the-box guy. He was never a blitzer. He wasn't that guy in college. So to put him in a position where he has those run fills, has those blitzes, it was going to be a challenge. Uh, he actually did pretty well. Some of the plays that he looked bad on, it wasn't him that missed the play. Like, it's not always the player who misses the tackle. Sometimes players miss the tackle, or sometimes players are chasing a receiver who's wide open because they're the one who noticed someone else messed up, Right. And they saw it, and they're like, oh, crap, You know, I've, I've got to go try and help and save this play. There were a couple of times situations like that happened with Norwood. The biggest problem with, with Trey Norwood in the nickel is you could tell that he was a little slow, that he it looked like he was thinking a bit, like a player who is playing a position as they're learning it, right? Like So you could see that 
he is a guy to watch out for. He may be able to fill that position next season or even later in this season. Right now, not a great option at the nickel. Just because he's a rookie, that's not a position he's played before. And he's in the seventh round, right? He may become a good NFL player, but but he wasn't drafted because he'd already shown he could be a good NFL player while he was in college. He didn't show that. It was a seventh-round pick for a reason. He was a good seventh-round pick, but he needs to play early on in something he's more comfortable in, and that is not the nickel. The other main player who covered people in the slot was Miles Killebrew. He's playing the strong safety spot for Terrell Edmonds. He gave up some catches. He took away a good number of routes. He was very solid against the run uh, and showed he had some blitzing ability. He is not as good at any of those roles as Terrell Edmonds. I would rate Terrell Edmonds as better than Miles Killebrew at every single thing that Miles Killebrew did in the slot. But it was good to see that the Steelers have a backup for Terrell Edmonds or another guy they can throw in if they want a more, you know, they want Terrell Edmonds and Minka Fitzpatrick and they want a box safety kind of player. You have a Miles Killebrew who has some versatility and can play that role. Another player who stood out for playing out in the slot uh, was the outside linebackers. Uh, Quincy Roche was out there. That was not good. Uh, Jameer Jones was put out there. That was also not good. Those guys are not used to this. They're not the kind of athletes. They didn't do this in college. They're both rookies. Not. It wasn't good. Uh, the Steelers will probably try to not put them out there. A linebacker who did a really good job in the slot, in coverage, was Cassius Marsh. Which is, is, is amusing to me because he struggled in pretty much all all the main responsibilities for an outside linebacker, but he was really good in coverage. So he was legit good in coverage. His his PFF grade was phenomenal in coverage. So I went back and watched some of the game, and I'm watching it, and I saw when he was out in the slot, and I'm like, yeah, he, he actually was really good in coverage. Not so great in other places. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind because the importance of the Miles Killebrew and Cassius Marsh being used in the slot is the Steelers last year frequently would stay with their front seven with a with a 3-4 look against 11 personnel. The offense takes off, you know, one of their inside guys, a tight end or a running back, and, and has three wide receivers and just a tight end and a running back and three wide receivers. And the Steelers came out with their seven-man front instead of nickel. So you have Tyson Alualu up front, but then either Bud Dupree or TJ Watt are moving out to cover a wide receiver. Unless the Steelers rotated Terrell Edmonds down, kept their seven-man front against now an outnumbered offense. If you've got you know, five offensive linemen, one tight end, and one running back, you have seven players in the box. If the defense has seven players in the box, that means... You have no help for anyone in that box. You have no help for Cam for someone blocking Cam Hayward. No help for someone blocking uh, Stefan Tuitt. No help for someone blocking TJ Watt or Alex Highsmith. And if you keep in the the tight end or the running back, you know the linebacker is also coming. So you've got a Devin Bush or a, or a Joe Schobert coming after you. Those 
formations worked really well because Terrell Edmonds is really good in coverage in the slot. He can do it. And it's just basically cover one at that point. Minka's the only deep safety. You've got the two cornerbacks outside. You've got Terrell Edmonds covering the slot receiver. And you have an offense that is in serious trouble trying to block all the pass rushers the Steelers have, knowing that they have exactly the number of people in the box that the Steelers have coming, that can that can come after them. So that's a play that matters. If you're if the Steelers don't like their nickel situation, the most common response we saw in 2020 when they were struggling with the nickel matchups or when Mike Hilton was injured, and and uh, let's say when Cameron Sutton was in the nickel and the Ravens were running at him, and they would try to switch Terrell Edmonds down there, and that didn't work. They went back to the three four, look, and just put. Terrell Edmonds as their slide and only went with one deep safety and that was Minka Fitzpatrick and it gave him an advantage because now you can't you're not going to run you're not going to run against a seven man front because you have six run blockers and they have seven defenders in the box they have they have a front seven and you have six blockers you can't you can't reliably run the ball even even the Ravens, when you've got Lamar Jackson back there, so you you know you can use the running back as a blocker, or or at least use him to draw a, a, a linebacker out away from where Lamar Jackson's going to run the football. But even then, they had trouble. That's that's still a you know the the Steelers don't aren't giving you the numbers advantage you are expecting to get against a nickel defense in the box. So that is an option that the Steelers can go with if they're facing a team that that's that will run against them in nickel, especially if you see Cameron Sutton as the nickel back. And this brings us to Cameron Sutton and James Pierre, because the current leading candidates to be the Steelers to cover, to, to deal with the Steelers nickel situation is for them to bring James Pierre in, have him play the outside cornerback and Cameron Sutton plays inside. Cameron Sutton has played the nickel. He knows the job. He knows the assignments. But the problem is Cameron Sutton is a coverage specialist. Last year, he played all over the place. He could play outside cornerback. He could play deep zone. He could play man on the inside. He could play zone inside. He played robber, the the inside zone robber position. But he was a coverage specialist, right? Wherever you put him, you can put him almost anywhere if he's in coverage. When you are asking him to defend the run, it's not as good. His sense of where run fits are and, and where what he needs to do as an alley defender, it's just not good. It's not good. He doesn't react to the run well. He's not a strong tackler. And as a blitzer, he's not good. He doesn't really bring any threat. If, if he's the guy rushing your passer, you can almost ignore him. And let the quarterback just, you know, step away from him and dodge him. Mike Hilton was a threat on a blitz. Cameron Sutton, much less of a threat. So he's not going to open up the hug blitzing. He's not going to have teams sitting there thinking, crap, is, you know, is is like what they did with Mike Hilton, where they're sitting there looking and saying, oh, crap, is Mike Hilton coming? Is, is he coming this play? Do we need to keep someone in? You know, I'm going to keep a running back in. And then Mike Hilton doesn't even come. You know, it, it, it had teams reacting to the defense instead of, you know, pushing the defense and forcing the issue and making the defense try and catch up to you. Offenses were trying to catch up to the defense, and that's a win for the defense every time. Cameron Sutton will never 
bring that as a nickelback. Against a team that goes three wide receivers, let's say a Cincinnati, and they want to throw a lot, and they have a slot wide receiver like a Tyler Boyd, Cameron Sutton is a good option in the slot. James Pierre outside. James Pierre is a good run defender. He is good against screen passes. He looks more like a Joe Hayden, uh, Mike Hilton type of player. We haven't seen him blitz, and the Steelers haven't used him in the slot. He has only played outside, and in the preseason and practices, he was working outside. It could just be they don't want to overload him and give him extra assignments because I think his skill set really fits the nickel position really well, but he doesn't know it. And the Steelers have chosen to have him focus on outside cornerbacks, so he's not really a solution there. But that is currently what they're looking at. That's their main option. Unless they add a player in, from teams that get cut, your major option right now is James Pierre comes in for nickel package, plays outside, and Cameron Sutton comes into the slot. When the Steelers face a team that will run on you, when they're in in three wide receiver sets, the Steelers may have to go with Terrell Edmonds in the slot and just keep their seven-man front. Or you could see Miles Killebrew come in and play a safety role and have Terrell Edmonds in the slot. Or if that slot receiver isn't, you know, a, a top athlete, isn't super shifty, Miles Killebrew could cover in the slot and you keep Terrell Edmonds back at safety. I wanted to cover that because the Steelers slot position is one that I have I have touted as a weakness and it is a weakness. They really have right now Cameron Sutton and no one behind him, right? And Cameron Sutton isn't a well-rounded nickel back. He he doesn't fit the position the way the Steelers like to use it. The Steelers are looking to see if they can find someone who will fit that position better. But we saw last season that the Steelers could solve that without putting a defensive back out there. They could do a linebacker. They could move Terrell Edmonds up and just overload the the box. Another option, if the Steelers like Trey Norwood, but not in the nickel, Minka Fitzpatrick can play that role. Or... You could go in nickel, move Terrell Edmonds up, and have Minka Fitzpatrick and Trey Trey Norwood as your safeties. So Trey Norwood, like James Pierre, could be the guy who comes in at nickel. That doesn't mean he has to play defense in the slot. He has to defend the slot because the Steelers have options. Minka Fitzpatrick did it in college. He hasn't done it as much in the NFL. And it does expose, if before this point, before Trey Norwood, uh, we didn't have any good deep zone safeties on the team the last two seasons when, you know, you had Sean Davis, who was that guy when he was healthy, but he has never gotten back to form since his injury in 2019. He's, he's never been back to that guy. Trey Norwood may be the best deep zone guy this team has had backing up in the safety room. And with Norwood and Miles Killebrew looking, looking like players who can come out on defense and not be a liability, the Steelers have some options if they're willing to be a little more creative at the nickel, so if the Steelers don't add somebody, it's not absolute panic time. Uh, I still think they should try to add somebody because their traditional nickel back, they don't have one on this team. So that is uh, that is our show for today, digging deep into the nickel position 
and how the Steelers defend that in different ways. Thank you for listening. Again, I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. Make sure you check out the other podcasts in the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. And, of course, go check out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Other than that, have a great day. Have a great week. I'll see you all next time.